This is the River Radius, a cultural nexus of rivers, people, and boats. I am your host, Sam Carter. Welcome. I, mean, I think what you're suggesting is kind of managing to uh, a, a new normal of, of, of a you know very low Lake Powell, and and I I would suggest that I I don't think we're there yet. Reclamation's not there yet. You know we're we're as Heather mentioned managing for a range of possible scenarios, and so you know we're still you know looking for. Um, you know, some improved hydrology, a few wet years could certainly go a long way to bringing those lake levels up and making the marina more accessible. But that doesn't mean we can't be having conversations now about, you know, what are some, some potential options for, for height and, and for other recreational areas that are in a similar position, right? Um, you know, the, 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 the lake was, was, was really never, never intended to be at a constant level, but it certainly makes some of those uh, marinas and, and other recreational features um, it, it, it makes it challenging. And so what are some ways that we can find flexibility and, and find ways to, to adapt to what is really going to be an uncertain future and uncertain hydrology in terms of what those lake levels look like? This episode comes to you from a follow-up interview I conducted associated with the Returning Rapids episode that was published four weeks ago. If you recall... That episode was an on-water tour of the Colorado River exploring the silt left behind by a receding Lake Powell. In this episode, I talk with two of the managers of Lake Powell for the Bureau of Reclamation to learn about Lake Powell's modern status and to understand how the Bureau of Rec is managing a disappearing Lake Powell, which is a pillar of the water distribution and power production infrastructure in the southwestern United States. Lake Powell is a reservoir a human-made body of water, and it sits behind Glen Canyon Dam, which impounds the Colorado River at the Utah and Arizona state lines. Directly above Glen Canyon Dam, about 200 miles, is Cataract Canyon on the Colorado River, and directly below Glen Canyon Dam, about 9 miles, is the launch point for the Grand Canyon. Lake Powell is the second largest reservoir in the United States. It has only been completely full a handful of years in its 58-year existence, with the last year at full happening in 1986. Some people love Lake Powell for its clear waters and red rock scenery and lake boating opportunities. Others despise it for its clogging disruption of the largest river flowing through the southwestern United States, the Colorado River, and preventing it from flowing to the oceans. On the phone for this interview, I'm joined by Heather Patno and Lee Trainum both of whom work for the Bureau of Reclamation. Hi, Sam. This is Lee Elizabeth Trainum. Uh, I work for the Bureau of Reclamation in our Upper Colorado Basin Regional Office, which is located in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, my job title is Adaptive Management Group Chief, and I am also serving as the Program Manager for the Glen Canyon Dam Adaptive Management Program. Hi, Sam. Happy to be here. So my name is Heather Patnow. I am a hydraulic engineer, also for the Bureau of Reclamation, located in Salt Lake. I work for the Upper Colorado Basin in the Power Office in the Water and Power Services Division. We are the Water Management Division uh, for Reclamation in the Upper Colorado, where we manage the water and hydropower. Can one of you tell us the, maybe start with the mission statement of the Bureau of Reclamation and also then the general purpose of the Bureau of Rec? Sure. So so this is Lee. I'll I'll give that one a shot. Um, So today, our mission at the Bureau of Reclamation is to manage, develop, and protect water and related resources in an environmentally and economically sound manner 
in the interest of the American public. Now, Reclamation was initially established in 1902, and its purpose at that time was to reclaim the arid wet by developing water storage and irrigation projects. In the late 1980s, Reclamation underwent uh, a major reorganization and downsizing uh, as we transitioned from a construction agency to more of a water management agency uh, that was focused on operating and maintaining our existing facilities. Let's talk about Lake Powell. Can you all tell us about it, the, the general location of it, the year that work began to build the, the reservoir, uh, and then the year the dam closed at Glen Canyon Dam and the lake, the reservoir began to fill, and the water capacity, the volume capacity of that reservoir at full. Sure. So, so this is Lee again. So Lake Powell is a, a very large man-made lake on the main stem Colorado River uh, that sits behind uh, or is impounded by Glen Canyon Dam. Uh, the dam itself is located in Page, Arizona, and the reservoir extends uh, north, northeast of Page, across the state line, and, and well into southern Utah. Uh, and when it's full, the lake is almost 200 miles long, uh, with almost 2,000 miles of, of shoreline. Um, I think it's also important to note, uh, with respect to location, uh, that it, the, the area is an ancestral home or of great significance to several Native American tribes of the Southwest, uh, including the Nav- Navajo Nation, whose lands uh, border the lake, and several Pueblo peoples, uh, such as the Hopi tribe. Uh, as far as when work began in construction, um, construction began in Glen Canyon in October of 1956 and continued until the dam was completed in September of 1963. And filling uh, ultimately took about 17 years. It was first uh, full in 1980. As far as water volume capacity, Powell is still the second largest man-made reservoir in the U.S. behind Lake Mead, which is uh, a, a little ways downstream on the Colorado River. Uh, Powell has a, a live capacity or a, a usable capacity of 24.3 million acre-feet, and the, the reservoir is primarily supplied by, by snowmelt runoff from the Colorado River and its major upper basin tributaries, including the Green, the Gunnison, and the San Juan Rivers. And how, how big is the Deadpool on Powell? This is Heather. Deadpool is 4 million acre-feet. And that uh, elevation is 3490 feet. So when comparing that to a full elevation, that would be 3,700 feet. And that's when you get the capacity that Lee was talking about of 26 million acre-feet. And just to kind of put that into perspective, one acre foot provides an annual water needs for four people. Right now, the current elevation is 3,573 feet or 39% of capacity. That's 127 feet from full pool. So right now, nine, uh, 37 million people can be provided for their water needs with uh, 9.4 million acre feet. So let's go backwards just for a second here. So elevation of the current pool again, please. Yeah, elevation of the current pool is 3,573 feet and top of 
uh, capacity is 3,700 feet. So we're 127 feet from top of dam. And you are, you're 83 feet from Deadpool. We are. Yes. Okay. We'll get to that. Okay. You said, you said an acre foot, uh, you described it as a, um, a, a one acre foot as a source of water for four people annually. Who are those four oh, people? Yes. Are those four people, are they agriculture people farming, irrigating fields, or are they urban people drinking, showering, watering lawns, washing cars? That would be um, a household of four people. So that would be urban people. What, what, is, what is Lake Powell used for? Lake Powell has, has a number of, of uses. Um, I can touch briefly on, on the big three uh, here, the water supply, power production, and recreation. Um, and then maybe I'll look to Heather to, to help round out the, the rest of the list. Um, in terms of water supply, I think, um, you know, teeing off the, the uh, comments that Heather just made, you know, millions of people in the seven Colorado River Basin states and in Mexico rely on the Colorado River for, for agricultural, for municipal, and for other beneficial and consumptive uses. Um, in, in addition to Lake Powell being the primary water storage facility for the upper basin, uh, Glen Canyon Dam is the principal hydropower generating unit for the Colorado River Storage Project facility. Um, the power plant at Glen Canyon Dam consists of eight uh, hydroelectric generating units. They have a combined capacity of 1,320 megawatts, and that is 80% of our total uh, generation capacity. Um, the last one I wanted to touch on uh, is recreation. Uh, the Glen Canyon National Recreation Area is managed by the National Park Service, which is uh, one of our sister agencies in the Department of the Interior. And uh, the, the recreation area is visited by over 3 million people each year. Um, I believe boating and fishing are the most popular activities at Lake Powell, uh, but it also offers great opportunities for, for hiking, camping, and swimming. Okay. So let's go on to the next questions. Um about Powell and um, the years of, of that it was filled and the last year it was filled. So you told me that it was first filled in 1980. I'm assuming that it stayed pretty full because I think 84, 83 or 84 was the year that it, that it almost overtopped the dam. The plywood wall was built. I forget what they're called on the sides. The emergency uh, tubes were used. When is the last year that Powell was full? So this is Heather. Uh, the last year that Powell was full uh, at 3,700 feet was in July of 1986. After that, uh, it did stay fairly full. There is always variability in hydrology. But the last highest since where we are currently was in July of 1999, where it reached 3,694 feet. Obviously, over the last... What we're, where are we at now? 22 years then, it's drifting downwards. But has that been a steady decline or have there been plateaus? Have there even been spikes where it, it starts to rise again in that last 22 years? Absolutely, it's been variable. Uh, so these last 22 years have been the driest on record. And we have seen some significant increases uh, as I, you've mentioned previously, in 2002, the inflows into Powell were so great that the reservoir dropped 100 feet. Uh, 
And there was significant concerns about the state of the water in the Colorado Basin. We've maintained about half of the capacity of Powell because of those good years um, in between, uh, those above average years and then some average years. But four of the last five driest years on record have been since 2000. Do you, do you have, um, are you all able to, and I know it's early, it's still February, but are you able to gauge what your inflows will be for the year? We are. That's how we look at the operations. And so right now, uh, for February, the forecast is for 5.15 million acre feet or 48% of average. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about the future of, the, of, of PAL then. PAL has a full pool of 3,700 feet. It sits at 3,573. That's 39% of full, which means it's what, 61% empty. What does the Bureau think? What do you all, are you expecting that PAL will ever fill again? We have lived through hydrologic variability. We've already mentioned that it took 17 years to fill Powell initially. So the potential that it will fill always exists. And as we look at our long-term models and look at various periods of record and look into the future, there is always um, the potential for increases in Powell and Mead storage over time to fill again. And those scenarios are contained in our long-term planning probabilistic output. Is that a yes? Yes, that's a yes. You, so <laughs> we, we, do, we, do, we do expect that there is the possibility of Powell filling again. When we're looking out into the future, we're looking at probabilities of varying hydrology over time. We've, we've seen in the record that early pluvial period, that really wet period at the beginning, the record where reclamation starts looking at the stream gauges in 1906. And that period from 1906 to 1930 is a wet period. And that goes into some of those long-term averages. We've seen 1983 and 1984, and we had some wet years in 1999. And um, some of the wet years that I talked about recently, 20, um, 2011 and 2017, some of those were record-breaking wet years. As we're looking out probabilistically, there's always the potential that we could get a string of wet years um, like we've seen this string of dry years. We, we've been living in a period of 22 years of um, below-average hydrology, but we can't rule out that Powell may fill again. Whether we expect it to or not, it is part of our planning. And what we do at Reclamation is we plan for an uncertain future with both wet and dry hydrology. So you're, you're planning for it all. You're planning for, you're planning for these wet years we've seen lately to come again in rapid succession. And then you're also saying you're planning for the drought years. Yes, we're planning for it all. I, I just want to reassert that Reclamation will continue with its mission. We're going to continue to manage, develop, and protect the water. Powell is at 39%. What percent do you anticipate yes. at the end of the summer? I think you said 48% of average is anticipated to flow into the reservoir. 
or out of the mountains and, and into the system. Um, what is your anticipated level at the end of the water year? The upper basin operates on a water year, but we really look out into the future for a calendar year. So the end of December 2021, is we're projecting, based on continued average hydrology, to be 32% full. And what's that elevation? That is 3551 Okay. At what elevation and percentage is electric power, electric production no longer available? 3490 feet. 16%. 16%. Mhm. Well, I mean, it it feels to me like we're approaching that number of of 3490. Um it sounds to me like you're also working you collectively, the Bureau of Rec at, at Powell is working collectively to prevent that from happening. But again, what's the future of PAL? There's a lot of people who expect to see PAL go away in kind of this general lifetime we're in. Is that a conversation? What's the conversation you all are having around that possibility of taking it out and just moving all the water downstream into Mead and letting that be a more full and active usable pool of water? Um, I, I think we're very much paying attention to that conversation, Sam. Um, and I think it's fair to continue to ask those tough questions. You know, we, we entered the current drought in 2000 with the two major reservoirs in the Colorado River Basin, Lake Powell and Lake Mead, nearly full. And even with, you know, this prolonged drought that we've seen, Lake Powell storage has, has, has done its job, right? It's allowed for full water delivery to lower basin states without any shortages in the upper basin state. And that's huge. Like, that's a huge accomplishment. Um, if we hadn't had the benefit of both Lake Powell and Lake Mead, um, you know, I think the Southwest would, would likely have been experiencing some serious water supply challenges for, for the last decade, probably. Um, so, so in that regard, you know, Glen Canyon Dam, Lake Powell, uh, and the entire Colorado River storage system is really doing uh, and will continue to do what it was designed for, uh, and that's to store water in times of plenty so that it can be available in these, these times of, of scarcity. So I hear a lot of information there, but I don't really hear an answer about the... Is, is, is there a conversation about removing PAL and consolidating down into Mead? I think the conversation is about the uncertainty around evaporation that you mentioned and the structural deficit in the lower basin, some of the, the shortcomings of the current system, and on how do we mitigate those those issues, those, those shortcomings of the current system. Um, it's, you know, it, it's not to, to let, uh, you know the system's not perfect, right? I think most folks would agree that the system's not perfect. But we don't want the perfect to be to be the enemy of the good if, if the system so far has done its job, has been working. Are there conversations about pulling pulling Glen Canyon Dam out and, and just consolidating? Or is that not a conversation? I would say we're aware of the conversation happening in, in, uh, amongst a number of folks and a number of stakeholders and interested parties. We are not currently exploring uh, that, that possibility at present. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Let's, uh, I want to come back to the power generation. That's been such a, that, that conversation has been at, at the tip of many tongues for several years. 
that 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 Pal is just drifting down and down and down. I think you know the last time that I had these interviews with with y'all's colleague Katrina Grants when uh, you know a couple that's probably it's probably been six years ago when I was doing this work as as a radio show when I talked to her and we were talking uh, mid forties was the percentage and it just is going down and it's going down and it's going down. Sixteen percent is a long ways away and it's maybe five seven years out if these trends continue i'm doing that off the top of my head what what's the plan there what is the plan if inflows continue to not inflate lake powell what's the plan around power generation at glen canyon dam if it gets to 16 percent or below that what's what's the plan this is heather there are a couple of things that are happening right now in terms of plan if powell continues to drop and we do get below power pool, we will open up bypass. There is, uh, there is the, that storage that's available that won't necessarily, that will not produce hydropower, but we have the ability to release that water through the bypass tubes. So whatever's coming in and whatever we have in that, in that storage below power pool will be released. And the ability that Reclamation has to release system water that's in Reclamation reservoirs through the system to benefit Powell. System water, meaning that that water, the, the water, the legal water right to system water belongs to the Bureau of Rec and not to anyone else. Correct. When I'm talking about system water, I'm talking about the Colorado River Storage Project Act initial unit water. So that legislation that Congress passed that allows reclamation to store that water and originally to build the dams, that's the system water that I'm talking about. So those federal projects that water is held in the upper basin um, under that Colorado River Storage Project Act to be held for the states, but is still managed by the federal government, by reclamation. That's the water that I'm talking about, the system water. Okay, let's talk sediment. You know, this phone call really originates from the top end of Lake Powell, where it, it intersects with the Colorado River, which is its source of water. Just last week, I was on the water we put in at North Wash on Lake Powell, got on a motorboat, and motored upstream. You know, it feels like you're leaving the lake because you get into this more narrow channel with full river current, slow, but full river current. We motored up as far as Dark Canyon, which is a significant left-hand side canyon coming in uh, to the river. And we looked at the, frankly, the massive sediment banks that are now exposed. And then we drifted down, talking about these sediment banks in relationship to the history of the canyon. And then the, the source of that conversation is also that the, the person who guided me on the boat is a good friend of mine and a, and a river boating friend of mine who has been down Cataract Canyon, the canyon just upstream of Lake Powell. And he has been down that, that stretch. He said he stopped count, counting several years ago at 100 trips, and he feels like it's several hundred trips now. The point of that is that he is very aware of any change in, in what it looks like down there. And so what he has seen is that for many years, when, the, when, when Powell was close to full, at full, 
that that water level sat right below what's called Satan's gut, big drop three, this big, enormous rapid, the biggest rapid out there. It sat right there, went through this rapid, come down to the bottom, there's houseboats, jet skis, and you have a 30-mile flat water lake through a canyon to move down to get to height. That all happens, but the lake starts to drop. As you all know, the lake's dropped. He's seeing it in the same way that it's dropping, and over the handful of past few years, they've started to see, he and his buddies who have been monitoring this all of a sudden, are starting to see the old rapids reemerge. And so they've developed a project called Returning Rapids. And so they've been monitoring these. And the thing that's probably come to be one of the biggest visual pieces of the landscape now are these massive sediment dumps from when the river would come in, Colorado River would come in full of mud and sediment. You know, the color of red is, is, the, is that name of the Colorado, and it comes in dumping sediment because it hits the lake, stops the current. When the current isn't moving, the suspended sediment falls, and it's stacked up for some, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, it's dumping sediment in these areas, and it is intense. It's, it's, it's just stacked up in there. First question is, is the Bureau of Reclamation, are you two aware of that sediment that is laying on the Colorado River banks at this point? This, this is Lee. I'll, I'll take that question. And thanks for the context, Sam. I appreciate, you know, the description. I mean, it, it definitely helps having, you know, your firsthand accounts and the visuals of, of having been there and kind of seeing um, what, what's actually happening on the ground. So we have a couple studies that are going on to help us wrap our heads around the, the sediment issue. Uh, in the first, we've engaged the U.S. Geological Survey, or the USGS, uh, to complete a sediment survey of, of Lake Powell using LIDAR uh, to determine kind of the updated bathymetry, right, the underwater surface and, and sediment levels in the reservoir. So, so we're looking forward to getting that information. It'll, it'll provide a lot of, of good uh, info about what's been happening uh, within the main body of the reservoir for, for the past uh, several decades. In the second study, we are working on a collaborative study with uh, with USGS again, and also with uh, the state, with, with Utah Department of Environmental Quality. Um, and they're working to, they've already collected them, but they're working to process some sediment cores that they've collected throughout the reservoir, but specifically in those deltas you're talking about, right? So in the San Juan and Colorado River deltas, and, and also up into the San Juan River. And I, I think this is a, really one of the first studies to kind of collect and characterize the sediment through kind of the full thickness of those deltas, and we're really hoping that the results of those studies will help us here at Reclamation understand kind of that long-term sediment budget in, in the Colorado River Basin and kind of what those scenarios are uh, when the, that deposition is happening. Um, so, so we're trying to get smarter on the issue, certainly. Definitely been in touch with uh, the state and with some of the GS folks that are actually out there on, on their bar, uh, that were out there on their barges doing the coring, and, and they had invited us, us down uh, a year or two ago. And I didn't get to go out personally, but uh, it certainly sounds like it would be valuable um, for, for some of us to, to, to put eyes on, on the specific sites that you're referring to. So the sediment, I get awestruck when I look at it. You know, it, 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 sometimes you just think, oh, it's just normal. But then when you really take it into context over a 30-mile stretch and you see the amount of earth that is in place and then you also lay on top of that the the reality that the river bed is elevated by some 30 to potentially 100 feet in different places because 
it is also sitting on top of these sediment beds that are now now in place. And my friend, Mike Dehoff, who took me up last week, he calls it these tailing piles. He calls it byproduct of mining the Colorado River for water. I never quite put it into those terms, and when I heard it and saw it simultaneously, it made a lot of sense to me. So the question comes then, who's in charge of that sediment? Who Whose responsibility is that? Is that even something that the Bureau talks about? This is Lee again. Um, you, you know, if, if I were setting a table to, to discuss uh, this topic, and, and we have been, been, been chatting about it, so I'll refer back to the study that I mentioned before, but if I, you know, today we're trying to set a table to, to discuss uh, these upstream sediment conditions and, and challenges, you know, I would certainly invite us reclamation as the operator of, of Green Canyon Dam. I would invite the, the National Park Service and specifically Green Canyon National Recreation Area as the land management agency that oversees and has authority over those particular public lands. Uh, and I'd invite the state of Utah um, because, as, as I mentioned, you know, they were really the ones who kind of um, were, were instrumental uh, the, the Department of Environmental Quality, in particular, were instrumental in um, in moving forward with this uh, study to process sediment cores, and and you kind of hit on one of the questions that they have, which is, well, if, if sediment is settling out, what else might be settling out? And and so there's some question about, you know, if, if there were were heavy metals or other uh, elements and in the water that might have settled out, that, that's something they want to know about and, and understand so that if there's any um, kind of, of risk or concern, um, that we all have that information as we, as we go forward and make management decisions. So, so that's the table I would kind of set for that discussion. Um, I will say, you know, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts in terms of what uh, a solution and what a goal might be, because uh, I'll be honest, you know, reclamation has really uh, focused our sediment efforts to date uh, downstream of Glen Canyon Dam, right? Because th- there's a mass balance here. Just like with water, there's a mass balance of sediment. And the sediment that they're dropping out in the tributary deltas is sediment that's no longer flowing through Glen Canyon like it did under pre-dam conditions. So the area below the dam is sediment starved. And the Adaptive Management Program, the program that I work with uh, much of the time, spends a lot of time and energy studying sediment and experimenting with releases from the dam to try and and benefit that resource, particularly uh, in Marble and Grand Canyon. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with with dam operations, but the high flow experiments that we do occasionally, um, that the whole purpose of those high flow experiments is to build beaches and, and to put available sediment inputs to beneficial use. So, so it's certainly something that we've had our eye on um, downstream. You know, the National Park Service at, at Grand Canyon National Park and the recreational users uh, there in Grand Canyon and below the dam are tremendous advocates for the sediment resource. Um, and the Grand Canyon Protection Act gives us the ability um, to, to, to take some action and do some experiments to try and address that issue. Um, we to date have not been the, uh, you know, had similar conversations. I think about the upstream challenges, but I would certainly be interested in, in your your thoughts about what what does a solution even look like. Um, and, and you know, I think we'd, we'd certainly be willing to have some discussion. Well, my solution probably isn't your solution. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my solution is to remove the dam, you know, because I'm in favor of river health and the dam is not, it does nothing for the health of the river. It it is dramatically, I mean, you're dealing with it, the high flow experiments, but the high flow experiment in the Grand Canyon, it's, the Grand Canyon is just eating itself to feed itself. 
I'll tell you where the sediment is. I mean, we just boated past it last week. I mean, it's it it's all there. It's just you, you, I don't know how you get it there. I mean, you, you got to get rid of the the dam, and then you got to do some probably some dynamiting. But you can get it down there. Uh, that's a different question. And then there is the real the, the the very real concern that there's heavy metals and there's all the other who knows the other deposits from. 40 years of Lake Powell of people throwing things off of boats, car batteries, gasoline, all the things, the boats that have sank, all these other things that are in the, the, the horrible sewage systems that were in place for many years that are, you know, there was a time when it was not healthy to swim in certain parts of that lake because of fecal content. So, so I asked the question, who's in charge of the sediment? I feel like you said, you, I, I didn't hear an answer, but I feel like what you alluded to is that you're still trying to figure that out. Is that what I'm hearing? I, th- I think it would be a multi-agency discussion. I, you know, we, we federal agencies um, have certain authorities and abilities uh, to, to engage on, on topics. I, I, I would suggest that, I, you know, the National Park Service as a land management agency has a little more latitude to engage in, in action on those public lands than we do. You know, our, our lever, our main authority is, you know, kind of pulling levers at the dam, you know, changing operations. And so to the extent that the lake levels are part of this conversation, we certainly would want to be at the table. But, you know, what we can do specifically to address those sediment conditions, um, you know, might be by limited, but with some partnerships, working with park service, working with the state, I would think together we might be able to pull the tools uh, into that conversation that would help us talk about, you know, applicable, feasible solutions. I'm typically the guy who's very much in favor of and willing to be a part of collaboration, but there's part of me that hears that the Bureau is sidestepping their responsibility. And I want to go back to the beginning of the conversation where you talked about that the, that in the 1980s, the Bureau kind of had a reorganization where they moved away from being the construction company that they were, right? They built dams across the West to include Glen Canyon, and that they moved into a water management company and it seems like this 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 byproduct of the sediment from mining the water out of the Colorado River is that's the doing of the bureau that's not the national parks relation or responsibility you know Glen Canyon National Recreation Area is there only because you built the, the reservoir they didn't that didn't come first it just seems to me that it's the bureau's responsibility and that the bureau should get engaged and and be there fixing it as opposed to not. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I appreciate the perspective, and, and I, I know where you're coming from. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think we would like to be at that table at the table for that discussion. Um, but as always, you know, we have to op- have to work and operate within um, our, our available authorities and what uh, Congress gives us the ability to do and, and provides funding to do. Um, and so if we can find uh, solutions that are within those authorities, um, certainly, you know, again, we would like to be part of that conversation. Um, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's a tough conversation when we talk about the presence of the dam and, um, they, you know, decisions that were made back in, in the 50s and 60s that were, you know, kind of, you know, right before and maybe teeing up the environmental movement that took place in, in the 60s that, that really, you know, kind of led to uh, a real transition for a number of our federal agencies. 
Um, and today, when we talk about our role uh, as, as environmental stewards and, and our obligation um, to, to protect water resources in an environmentally sound manner, you know, that's, it's, a, it's a big deal for us. We take it really seriously. Um, a lot of that is tied to the operations of our facilities, right? So there has to be a federal action that we are evaluating, uh, going through public process, and, and potentially if there are um, if there are negative impacts, then can we mitigate for that? And so the federal action is usually tied to the operation of a facility, not to the, the presence, which, you know, the, the dam was constructed prior to, to some of these um, statutory requirements. And I think, you know, logically, you know, the conversation looks different if you take it out of some of that statutory framework. Um, and so I, I understand where you're coming from. A Colorado Plateau-sized thanks goes out to Lee Trainum and Heather Patno from the Bureau of Reclamation for engaging in this interview. You can learn more about all of the topics covered in this episode in the show notes. You can find the River Radius on Instagram and Facebook, where additional river content is published weekly. You can also find more information on our website. All of those links are in the show notes. You can contact us anytime. Hello at theriverradius.com. Thank you for the new and recent reviews on your podcast platforms. They are immensely supportive of our work. My name is Sam Carter. Thanks so much for joining the River Radius. <laughs> You're getting me to philosophize on my own show. I'm supposed to ask the questions. <laughs> <laughs>